Hello, hello all. Welcome back to the We Need to Talk Club podcast. We are here with our Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends series. We are still going to Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends. The show goes on, okay? The only time we may end it is when Tony leaves. We'll talk about that when we get there. But first, well, well, come on now. Well, maybe we'll stick around. We're going to try it, but we all know what happened after that. All right, so... I'm tired of your shade talk, Lisa. I hear you over there. <laughs> so please, let's introduce ourselves, ladies. I am one of your hostesses today. My name is Tamaya. Let's go over to Central Jersey. Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. It's Ariana. Hello, Who's Ariana. And let's go over to the South Jersey side so you can introduce yourself, madam. What up, Johns and Johnettes? It's Talisa. Hey. I said it. Yes, I did. You said Johnettes, and I just, I, I can't. Next, we're going to go to the South. South, don't unmute. Just put put yourself back on unmute. Introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, I want my fans to have names. Oh, it's Shakima. Uh, <laughs> something later for all my loved ones. Yeah. I know that's right, baby. <laughs> And now we're going to go to our final hostesses of the day. Please introduce yourself on the West Coast. Go, go, go. Hello, hello. I am last, but certainly the best. So West wow. Coast, West Coast, <laughs> excited over here to be with you all. Mm-mm-mm. Well, all my hostesses love to try to start some beef, but we're all going to just ignore them. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Welcome, mm-hmm. listeners. We love you all. We are on season three of Girlfriends and episode 15 and 16. And we're going to try to get through both of them because, yes, we are aspirational this evening. Let's do this thing, girls. So in the first one we speak of today, episode 15, just going to my notes here so I'm actually accurate. Tony gets a card from Todd with an image of Black people running in the field. And Tony's (laughs) offended. (laughs) Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> Tony's offended and brings Todd into her understanding later on in the episode. So, fascinating enough. Um, trying this new way of uh, talking to you ladies. One of my questions, or my only question for this one is, what's one component of an interracial relationship that you feel is key? If anyone, are you talking other to than Esther? Esther has an option? <laughs> if anyone are other you, than Esther you, has an answer, are you, please are go. You talking, are you talking? I know to she Esther? will. I know she well, will. I but feel if like, um, wait, am I? Is it just me? Well, you know, I've never been person. in an interracial relationship, so yeah, I don't know. What about you? Lisa? I actually, I was in one. Hey, oh yeah, right, Lisa, you are an interracial relationship. Uh, oh, I am. Oh, a product, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like anyone can answer Esther. this. Obviously, Esther is our resident. Yeah, I mean, know, I have um, some thought, but I, you know, I. Yeah, she, she's our resident, you know, token. <laughs> yeah, my son and Will. His mom is like my mama. Well, we don't got to talk. Well, the point yeah. is here. <laughs> I think anybody can answer it. I feel like obviously the most and bestest accurate answer might be from the woman who actually in one and stayed in one. But I think we all can have a thought, or at least anyone. No one has to answer the question. But yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think from the outside in, or what have mm-hmm. you? Go yeah, ahead, at least. Why I laughed as soon as you read it off. It's funny because I literally just had a talk with Irajwood last night about interracial couples. And how like the the bloom of them on like TikTok, and how the discussion goes like that is they've made their interracial relationship the topic of discussion, their identity on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. I just thought it was funny that you would bring up this after we just talked about that. But I think it's in our face a lot more. Um um, I don't know. It's just in our face a lot more. It's trending now, but that's not the point. <laughs> but it is trending now. That wasn't my initial point. I want to point out. I think it's. Wait a minute. Does anybody else who has an <laughs> ignorant version? <laughs> uh, ignorance is bliss over here. Let Esther go, damn it. 
Wait, I was in an interracial relationship. Have I? I was. What do you think is necessary or... Yeah, just... I, I, look, I ain't gonna have more than one. I ain't gonna have more than one. I said one component. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Right, Esther can I have... Feel, Esther I can officially have... I feel in so many ways. So. I, feel like, I feel like you can have five components because the rest of us probably don't have an answer, but mm. it's gonna be the one for all of us. But I feel like from my ignorant side, because obviously the relationship didn't... Well, those who don't know, my, my interracial relationship did not last. Oh, I no. feel like oh. a key component is not to lean on stereotypes, even though they are so heavily, I feel like ingrained in each of us in one way or another, to not lean on stereotypes when entering or in a interracial relationship. Ask, really, you know, just don't lean on that. Because I remember, oh no, stop. I remember my interracial relationship. Um. Yeah, full disclosure, why not? Um, We were hanging out oh. and um, intimate things uh, were shared visually. Oh. And I remember my partner at the time saying, I know it's not as big as black guys. Intimate and friend. I remember being like, Oh, <laughs> this is extremely <laughs> awkward. How does that he is know not at all what I was thinking. But apparently, that has been sticking in your head that you're dating me. You believe that that's what I compare it to, and I'm like, that's they, they, everyone comes in different sizes. I don't know what to tell you. Well, what's your and it was just an awkward moment. <laughs> huh? What's your what's your what was your opinion on the matter? I I think I said what did I say? I was just like. It's fine. I don't. I don't know. I was like so stuck because who would think that that's the thing that somebody can look you in the face and say as you are looking at the situation. And so, yeah. So that's why I'd say don't lean on the stereotypes. But how would you judge it? This is what I'm asking. <laughs> what? How would I? <laughs> don't make us say it. Don't. <laughs> Say it. We, oh, nobody knows who he is and if he's listening he's <laughs> the only one that knows who he is true i know who he is it but... was it was it was quite it was quite minimal okay <laughs> it was uh it was uh unsubstantial it was not and that's the end of that story but i didn't i made him feel decent oh and then when we broke up he brought it up again he said it's because it's <laughs> that's why he's it it's because oh. Gosh, oh, he was God. very insecure. Very insecure, and I'm like, that is not the reason why. <laughs> but we all know what was on his mind. So yeah, that's what I got. That's that's little key component for you all, Esther. Please properly answer this question so we can move on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So, just rephrase for me the question again, just so I don't go on a long tangent. The question is, what's one component of an interracial relationship that you feel is key? Um, okay. So I will say that I am married to somebody who is of another race, culture, religion, just all the inters that you can think of, except being same sex. So we're <laughs> we're very different <laughs> in all the ways. Right. Um and I've also, you know, before uh, my marriage has dated people of different um, race and cultural background, you know, than myself as well. So I do have, a, you know, a history of that. <laughs> and the one big thing that I would say is... Um, like you have, it's critical that the person have um, basic, and and you know I'm being very generous here, but like a, a very basic understanding of the black experience of the black women experience. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, and obviously that, that context will change based on like where you are in the world, but still like being black in a very anti-black world is critical because you will hit um, points of misunderstanding as with any couple, but those points of misunderstanding are going to be way more. They're going to reveal a whole lot more as well. And if you're not careful, will and 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 may cause irreparable harm to yourself as a black woman um so that's the one thing that i will say is that your partner has has to understand appreciate and want to learn more um about the nuances and how you navigate the world as a black woman but how do you deal with that like that initial i don't know if, if ignorance is too strong of a word but how do you deal with that initial like not knowing on their part like they're just spitting things out well, and yeah so i and that's why i'm trying to like not go on like you know a big thing right because you can go all night about this particular topic and i think it's like it's 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 sort of like not an inherent um trait but you need to be able to suss out if that person is coming at you as a fetish or if that person is coming at you as this is a person that I'm interested in you know because if they're coming at you as a fetish they're just gonna keep saying at the you know night like the least thing they can do is like say some ignorant stuff to you. But we know that like, you know, this could also lead to like literal physical and mental harm to yourself. But if you know that this person is coming at you as, oh, this is another human being that I'm interested in, then yes, they're gonna they're gonna say stupid stuff, right? But like in your like you would know that it's like not coming from a place of fetishization or like racism, it's like honestly just ignorance. For example, right? My partner never really dated a black person before. <laughs> and I have natural hair. And just like Tony had that experience way before in that first season, right? with her bonnet and when she dated that, you know, white congressman or whatever before, he made a comment of like, oh, like your hair, like what is going on there? Um, and <laughs> I explained to him, hey, this is the, this is how my hair is. And as part of the upkeep is that, you know, I do these things. And that was it, right? It was it came from oh this is something that i'm not used to this is you know a learning experience or just like a fascination oh you explained it to me it makes sense all right that is or that is my normal now this is how my girlfriend mm -hmm. deals with her hair let's move on right versus i could see if somebody was coming from a place of you know uh fetishization or just outright not wanting to learn and adapt that, that'll be something that they keep bringing up or just make a comment about or overall just like went out to their family or friends and be like oh ha 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 Esther she does this like really weird crazy thing with her hair can you believe that sort of thing mm -hmm. you know <laughs> makes sense makes sense makes sense excellent excellent points thank you very very much for that little context. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're a part of our group to give us oh, uh, some of that insight. Thank you. At least mm -hmm. I offer something. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Anyway. <laughs> and that's brilliant because that's actually what Tony was going through. Like, do you want me as a fetish or do you want me for real? So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that insight. The next thing that happens in this episode 
Maya is struggling with being single on um, the holiday because this whole episode happens at Valentine's Day. Uh, so a quick question to you all, just for fun. What would you call a holiday celebrating singles? Or what would it would it entail anything in particular? Because there's not, everything is, you know, Valentine's Day could be so, all holidays really, in one way or another, is yeah. offending somebody. So, <laughs> but if we were for fun, what would it entail? For me, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. I got more questions. For me, it would entail free movie during like a happy hour period. <laughs> Only if you're buying one ticket. You know what I'm saying? Like free movie for one ticket. Discount for anybody sitting at a table alone during that time. I would probably be, ooh, I would be that person. Like if I owned a restaurant or something. I'd be the one advertising instead of like little couple meals. I'd be the one advertising single meals and just have a whole place. Oh, that sounds like fun now. <laughs> like Have a whole place filled with just people getting like good discounts, free dessert. Hey, who knows if you meet somebody, if you don't, who cares? Let's just have a good time. Um, wine bottles. You know, I'm the type who would have like a little party at my house for that kind of thing. So because I actually liked going on my own dates, like going to movies by myself, having my little corner booth at my favorite restaurant, my headphones on, the good thing to read or listen to or watch. This sounds lovely. I don't know what I'd call it yet. I should have came up with a name. Does anyone else have an idea? I, I mean, all of those things, like, <laughs> definitely, like, I feel like if we're talking about, like, if Valentine's Day is supposed to be a representation of love and stuff like mm. that if you're single self-love should be at the top of the list oh self-love right mm -hmm. so like all in the things all the different ways you can take yes that. <laughs> in all the different ways all of them okay all of them mm -hmm. like all day handle mm -hmm. your business okay <laughs> but yeah like that that comes to mind like right at the top of the list i'm thinking if i'm single what would i want to do on valentine's day as a representation of love it would have to be self-love i'm gonna do everything that i love or that's gonna make me feel loved mm. in that moment mm -hmm. i love that I, I... all right <clears throat> moving on also in this episode lynn is struggling with her partner's celibacy so still, <laughs> so my question to you ladies is, what's one non-sexual activity that you consider intimate with your partner or otherwise? Doesn't have to be with a romantic partner if you do not have one or do not think of one, or maybe in your dreams of having a romantic partner, what would be one non-sexual activity that you find to be an intimate experience between you two? I said talking, having a conversation. Without no kids, just having an actual conversation, laughing. A debate like, or a conversation? Because I've seen you and your, <laughs> yours go at it. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> and he go at anybody. She. I think for me, and we, and that's our way of being intimate. You know, is um, traveling and experiencing. Uh, different cuisines together so I love doing like prefix menu mm. options at restaurants right where you just kind of get served something unexpected and just have that like two three hours just sitting together and discussing it I love that <laughs> and I love your talking too Kima I just wanted to mess with you but you said no kids allowed <laughs> just stick out your tongue at me. Yes. No kids allowed. I agree with that. Yes. Oh no yeah. I feel like all the intimate options are yeah. no kids allowed. Yeah. Anybody else? I would say mine is um me and my husband when we are being no kids allowed, when we are being crazy lazy in the bed together and um decide to finally catch up on one of our shows because for some reason we have a few hours to ourselves with not work or children in the way. And we put on one of our shows and each time an episode ends, we, you know, if it's emotional, we cry about it, not we talk about it. Then we'd be like, look at each other. But every time the episode ends, right at the credits, we look at each other like, one more. 
<laughs> then it's like the next episode, one more, and basically binging. So binging with my husband in the bed with nothing making us get up but hunger. Oh, in the bathroom. Ah, Anybody else? I I second that. Like me and my husband, we work opposite schedules, right? So. Mm. The moments where we do get together, the time we do spend together is, well, all of it can be pretty intimate, but the least stressful of them all mm. is when we're doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're just chilling. We're watching, a, you know, a show. We're talking. We're having random goofy conversations. Like, yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right. On to the next. If no one's done, I'm not going to let too many pauses happen. So if it's too long of a pause, I'm assuming there's no more answers to come. Last thing that happens in this episode, Joan's Valentine starts off great, but ends on a sour note when she discovers Ellis has a ba has baby mama drama. Like, first she thought he wasn't even giving her any attention for the day. Then she found out he came up with this whole elaborate thing where she has notes and gifts, sending her on a scavenger hunt for her beautiful, perfect Valentine's Day. It's the best Valentine's Day she's had all the way till he gets her an outfit to dress up, go to out, out to dinner, and then practically stands her up and ghost her when she finds out that he was intercepted by an old flame who was now so pregnant with his baby that she's about to have it that same day. Mm. Um, so that I... was crazy. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. Say what you got to say, Esther. Like, I understand, right, that that scene or at least that sort of scenario is very much like you know a film and tv oh, trip. absolutely so <laughs> like right I on time take this you know with that sort of grain of salt but to me i don't know i i feel like just because you're having a kid with someone okay let me rephrase you can be an amazing co-parent without being partners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, like if, if I was in Joan's place, I would feel very insulted that he even paused for a second to consider it. Because again, I'm like, like you you being the the biological dad means not like doesn't like means nothing to it should like it doesn't impact you and I like it does like obviously it impacts us like kind of you know now that's a uh a, a road or another sort of path in our relationship but that should be what we're talking about how can we possibly like if I wanted to or if you wanted to do we want to proceed with like supporting you in your co-parenting journey? Mm -hmm. Like that is the conversation that we're having. Not, oh, do you want to be with the mother as well? Because no, no. Mm -hmm. Because if you're even considering it, that means you and I are not solid. And that is a conversation of, should we be together? And the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, it was like they tried to resolve this super dramatic event. Like, yeah, right. like if that you want to go, be with, her, go be with her, yeah, yeah. like that. Hell no. Like, what? <laughs> Absolutely. You didn't want to be with her a minute ago? Mm -mm. You that's going to change? It's just, it was very interesting. Would you guys, in Joan's situation, would you think it's one you can handle or would you continue on with the, in, in the sake of, the, for the sake of the relationship? Because personally, mm -hmm. I feel like Joan, is happy that he chose her eventually at the end of the episode, but I don't feel like Joan is really grasping and taking all of this in. I think she's just happy that she's still in a relationship mm -hmm. and not taking into account all that's about to come into a once very simple relationship, all the complications. What do you guys think your situation would be? Obviously y'all know what happened with me. So what about y'all? <laughs> yeah, and that's why I said like for me the conversation at that point is what does that look for our relationship mm -hmm. that that for me is like the automatic conversation dialogue that yeah I didn't think she was happening. asking the wrong question when she's like what are you gonna do and what's that mean about I didn't <laughs> think that was selfish on her end no 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 I for me like the issue that I have is the fact that the way that her question is posed and the way that 
he takes it is not about what does that mean for our relationship that you are now going to be a parent is that it was put as do you still love her mm -hmm. you know that's how it was posed like do you still love her mm -hmm. and if that's how he takes it and his response was i need to figure it out uh-uh mm. like <laughs> Yeah, oh, I think we can all come to a consensus that Ellis is yet another trash partner in this episode, yes. in the show. Yes. So many so, times, so many times Ellis has proven to be. me, right, within that particular conversation, and we were really discussing, what does it mean to, um, you know, to be the partner of a co-parent? Mm -hmm. Like, so many things goes into it, it right? Like, are we, so how much. solid are we? How strong do I want to be a parent? And mm -hmm. what is your views? Like, if we haven't had that conversation yet, like, we are going to spend a good amount of, like, talking about what is your view on parenting? What does yeah. it mean for you to be a co-parent when you're not with the, with, you know, your other co-parent? I really feel like the role should have been inverted, really, in this episode. I feel like Joan should have been the one, like, I need to take a walk. Yeah, I need to go figure exactly, this out. Because like, I need to, it's is... like she just was written to allow this to happen and give him all the power and with in oh, which he can decide whether he wanted to do this with her or not. And I feel like, and, girl, and it's sort of I there's a lot more involved that you need to go think about. Yeah. But it reminds me very much of like a pick me sort of yes. situation. Yes, yes. That's what like, I mean, like for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of her still having a boyfriend. Yeah, for the and sake it's like, girl, you are, I mean, not to put it crudely, but like you are in that position, like you're in that enviable position. Like you are in, you are in the better position. Yes. Because like right now, if you don't want to, it doesn't, it doesn't affect Have to you. affect you at all. At all. And so, and that were like, you would need to make your case to me. Whereas it felt like she, again, is, and I hope that, you know, writing for about women characters or female characters have progressed, but that's where we always were put as no matter where we are within the relationship and the structure, we are automatically put as like caregivers, like, it's obvious, like, you know, we are going to want to be mothers. It's obvious mm. that we're going to want to preserve a relationship, you know, with basically be that ride or die. Yeah, no matter, no matter what, the baggage. As long as the man is not physically abusive, you better be a ride or die. Right. You know? And it's like, no. Sometimes you have to, you have to part ways just because it's not serving each other. Like, the, you're not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. We just are not good together. Correct. So I'm sure she's going to figure this out. I don't remember, but I'm <laughs> sure she's going to figure this out down the road. But right now she's just happy he picked her. Um, but mm, yeah, obviously I did go down that road. It was different for me though, but still it happened to an I, extent. And I you all know I'm married to the mug now, but man, if I was Joan and had my own age together and it happened like that, like like dramatic TV show version like that. Boop that. Nope. <laughs> During the whole this whole girlfriend's thing, Joan has always been wanting a man. I know. So she she puts up she'll put it up with it. She'll put up with it for a little while until she realizes yeah. the standards can't or she'll allow the guy somehow to make the decision for her when really she needs to make that decision. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to her growth. For sure. All right. So we made it, y'all. We on episode 16. Look at us. So episode 16. Um, Jones. Oh, it's yes, Jones and Lemma Maya's um new home in Italy. So first thing that occurs, um, one of the things that occur, Maya moves into her own apartment, discovers her divorce is final, and ends up sleeping with her new neighbor, her her second sex partner ever. Because she's only ever had sex with Darnell. So this was a pretty traumatic um, experience for, for her, at least for a moment. Have 
a quick question to you all is, has any of you had a moment where you did something out of your ordinary? Doesn't need to be random sex with someone, but if it is, hey. Um, and came to the realization that it is okay. Because like once she did that and literally jumped out of the bathroom window and went to Joan for comfort, it was like Joan had to tell her, you know, well, it's just, you just, it's fine. But it was something she had so ingrained in her that this is not me. I don't do this. I don't sleep around. I don't have more than one partner. I don't. Know. I mean, she's also not the girl who's ever single. She's also not so many things in her life that is brand new to her now. Has any of you ever had a little silly experience or serious experience similar of you just felt you were one way and would do things this one way and then you did one thing and it was like, oh, well. Any examples anyone like to offer up? Anybody? I'm going to keep talking till I see someone come off mute. No, no. All right, all right. Maybe not. Maybe yes. Oh, yeah, just going to leave me hanging out here. This house going to go. This house going to go. Yeah, you go, girl. You go, girl. No, <laughs> I, I said this how it's going to go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm thinking, like... Mm. All right, so I wasn't. It's some stuff right. you're just not supposed to put on recording. Well, it's not gonna be that serious. Here's one of mine. I was raised to not eat pork. Okay, half my family's Muslim. And so I was raised to not eat the swine. And um, as a teenager, one time, well, it ended up happening multiple times after that, but one time. And yeah, let's tell the truth. First off, you. first off, I don't, I remember as a child, my grandmother. Country grandma in the kitchen cooking ham with like pineapple slices on top of it and stuff. Or mm -hmm. yeah, my husband told me, I said, Ooh, yeah. Or mm -hmm. pork bacon. And, and with me and her being in the kitchen alone, she would take it out. She'd be like, Come on, let me taste a little bit. Taste, no, nobody look, nobody looking, just taste a little bit. Now, I don't know. I blacked out. I don't know if I ever did. I don't know if I ever took that in. Don't give me those faces, but. I do remember as a teenager <laughs> having a friend and we all had a sleepover at this friend's house and her aunt was cooking some fried chicken and it smelled glorious. And so she gave us all the fried chicken. It was a little saltier than I expected, but it was good. It had a little twang to it, but I went in, I went in, I ate that. I ate like six pieces of this fried chicken. I was going in and she was like, you want some more? And I was like, mm-hmm. And right when I said that, here go my friend. Wait, wait, Maya, you don't eat pork, right? Da, da, da. It was like, mm. pork chop? I thought this fried, this fried chicken. This ain't no pork chop. This fried chicken. She's like, no, it's pork oh. chops. And I was sitting there with one in my hand that was halfway gone, mouth greasy with the swan. <laughs> I said, Why? why do you tell me and again i blacked out i don't know if i finished that piece or not i don't know all i know is the world did not stop the i i didn't blow up from the inside out a pig did not show up in my dreams i was it was it was just like oh oh this is just a decision that i can make or not make but it's not going to kill me i i can eat pork I can just decide not to. And it was just one of those things. It was just like, oh, oh. So see, that's something that's not detrimental, Ari, to put on a recording. <laughs> now that's the pork chop story. Let's talk about the other one. We don't got to talk about the other stories, you jack <laughs> butt. I thought you were going to talk about the pepperoni pizza. No, that's girl, wait. I no, blacked no, out. No. I don't know what you're talking we, about about no pepperoni pizza. We got to talk about the roasted pig. I blacked, pig. Out. I blacked pig. out. That's what I'm talking about. I blacked about. out about the, the pepperoni pizza. It was, it was a whole damn pig on the table. Were <laughs> oh, you talking about it at uh, uh, P House? Yes. We ain't got it. Look, I blacked out there too. So. <laughs> All I need to know is if any of you other have to <laughs> leave me out here, or if you have one experience you're willing to share in which <laughs> your world was, your, your personal world was altered in one way or another. Trifling, all right. Not that, not that I could recall, no, seriously. Like. I will share one. And it's, Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a shareable one. So I was raised within, like, Christianity. But 
interestingly enough, uh, within my family, there were all different um, denomination of Christianity that on the surface or at odds with each other. Mm. <laughs> because, um, you know, I grew up in a country that was primarily Catholic. So it was sort of subtly assumed that you would go through the Catholic rituals. Mm. So, you know, I did that. But also my, outside of my mom, like on my mom's side, they were Seventh-day Adventists. So you had like, you know, so you uh, followed Sabbath on Saturday and that mm -hmm. meant like going to like a service for like the whole free day. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my aunt who like basically raised me as a second mother was a Jehovah Witness. And so I had Friday night service and then Sunday night service. Oh. So then from like Friday evening until like Sunday night, I was in some way, shape or form in like churches <laughs> of all different sorts. Um, so then, you know, kind of growing up, it, I would say it, it, it did install in me just a curiosity to understand you know other religions mm -hmm. at the same time all I was you know reading and hearing was like how just horrible it was to be a non-Christian and so I believe like it was starting around like high school that I really got into um just learning about like you know other religions just non-Christian religions right, right? right. um and so this all culminates in me taking a Buddhist class and uh, college, which I was really just fascinated by and admire, which then meant me applying for this program offered by my college to go uh, study at a Tibetan monastery, well, wow. Tibetan university in India um, over like, or long Christmas holiday break. And so here I am having to ask my mom, hey, could you like pay for me to go on this <laughs> month long trip <laughs> to study Buddhism? Oh my God. <laughs> you know? How did it even you know, go? Bless her heart. Like she is a phenomenal woman. <laughs> yes. So, you know, she, she, she did all that she could. My God, she did her like, she made it happen basically. And it wasn't like a small feat. It was a big undertaking for us, but yeah. So <laughs> I get it, girl, girl. I get it. I get it. Religion is another one. <laughs> another one. <laughs> I... Funny enough. I have like stories in both of those realms. Like, okay. Hey, we might get a third, people. We, we might get a third, third right? We might get so third. Go ahead, give me a little thumb. Just give me a little thumb. I did too. After her. Oh God, <laughs> we got a four. Come on, oh, girl. see, see, see. Fancy so, go ahead. In in regards to you say, pork Lisa? or swine, what she said? I said the buck stops at Shakima. Yeah, I can go no, ahead. Oh. You going? You Lisa? You gonna yeah. answer one of these questions? Gosh dang. <laughs> Well, in regards to swine, my now husband was raised Muslim, so I didn't, it wasn't like I had an aversion or anything to pork or I like felt any type of way about pork, mm -hmm. um, but when I started dating him, we started eating the same things, nothing had pork in it, so one day not too many years ago, um, I had pork again for the first time, mistakenly. Yeah, it, has, it was something that had bacon in it. <laughs> and uh, when I tell you, I cannot for sure eat pork anymore. I wow. cannot eat pork anymore. Like that was a immediate like, oh no, what did you just put in your body type of situation? So I still remember the taste of bacon. Still remember what ham tastes like, pork chops. Mm. I still Ooh. remember it. It's really, Lisa, back then. Ooh. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. But yeah, 
like I stopped eating pork. My husband, again, raised Muslim. There's that piece. And then the other religious piece. Mm, I was going to church for all the wrong reasons anyway. Ooh. But I was well, raised I was, I very was. much Christian, Baptist. I was in the choir. I was a praise dancer. I was in the church, like, on Saturdays, feeding the homeless. Like, I would do all of those things. And then, yeah, yes, I want to say around high school and in college, I, I really started to question religion and why, you know, people take it so seriously. Um, which then, not to delve too deep into my beliefs, but like that kind of opened my eyes to the way of the world, how politics work, how, you know, how certain laws are made. Like it just kind of goes into everything. Right. Um, so I'm very open-minded now. Whereas before it was, no, you had to live this way because this is what the Bible said you right. needed to do. You know, right. that was a big change for me. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing, yeah. friend. You're welcome. Ima, it is your go. It is your, oh, I remember that as a kid. Year go, your turn. Sorry, I had a flashback of nostalgia. My go. <laughs> um, I kind of had the same thing when it came to church. Mm -hmm. Like when I was younger. I was in church multiple times out of the week. Like a lot, a lot. <laughs> but when I got older, well, it's really when I moved to North Carolina, I wasn't really, like, living with my mom. So, I, when I was in college, I, um, I took an internship at a church, and it was of the um, Caucasian uh, side. <laughs> um, the Caucasian so tribe. Well, yes, and the first uh, wow of it was... You didn't have to wear dresses or like you could wear. Oh, jeans. you was in that strict, strict. Yeah. You could wear jeans to church. Like they had to sit me down for not sit me down, but like had to tell me like, hey, can you dress a little down a little bit? Because in, in my when I used to go up, you had to come in your Sunday best. Mm hmm. But like <laughs> since I was like interning there and like they're like, you, you know, sometimes you just wear like black pants, black shirt, like. Or like you know, less colorful stuff. Like you was coming in like you were going to Easter every day. Yeah, yeah, I was. And they're like, yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, really? But then, I yeah, can actually, come as I am. What? And then another thing, I found out what type of church I like. Okay. And I found that I don't have to necessarily go to church mm. to have a relationship with God. Mm. Because when I was younger, you had to, you had to be in there like every every time they had something, you had to that, that you had to show up. Yeah. But if I feel like going every to church, time you play hooky, that's one point out of that one point yeah, out of eleven. If if I don't want to go, then I don't have to go. And um, I realized that I don't like when preaching happens when they're yelling. Oh, you're like a soft preacher. Or well, not a soft talk, preacher. Like just talk like, to you. Talk to you nice and calm. I feel like calm. you're yelling. I can't understand what you're saying. I feel like <laughs> I, I, I keep going. Yeah, 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 all that. And then I don't really like pulpits either. That's just a me thing. But like, to hold up. Like, I feel like I like it more when no one's like, look at me. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's not about you. Right. I feel like some churches of with my ethnicity, uh, not, <laughs> not all, but some, they like to focus more on who is pastor or, like, all up in the pulpit. Like, I belong to an African-American church. Mm -hmm. But I do go to... Um, the other church sometimes <laughs> you'd be sneaking off to the <laughs> but like both of those, both of those churches like i feel like i feel like i know like 
the church grew up in, I would never choose that church for myself. Mm. I get so, that. Yeah, that is something that I learned. This, like that, you don't have to be stuck in one thing. Right. And you're cool. not. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing as well. I appreciate your your commitment and cooperation, ladies. So we're gonna move on. Yeah, there's some shade over there in the corner. All right, I'll, I'll say one thing. Oh, oh. Um, the people that came before me did not have it figured out, and it's okay that I don't. The who that came before you? Well, that came before me did not figure it out, and it's okay that I haven't either. I accept that. When you're younger, everybody's got to figure it out. You just mm. everybody that looks older that's doing life. Oh, oh. they got. Figured out. No, they just know how to pretend well. I'm at the tournament, and I knew these niggas did not have it figured out. <laughs> that's one for real, though, Lisa. That's for real, for real. I think we all kind of came with that when you get to that age. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, y'all just as ignorant as me. <laughs> y'all just know how to act like you know. Or they were just honestly trying to make it by. Faking yeah, that, too. That, too. They weren't even trying to pretend for us. They was trying to pretend for them. (laughs) I accept that. Thank you as well for sharing. Thank you. What else happens in this episode is William finally tells Monica he quit his job. And after almost trying to leave, she decides to give him another chance. My question to you all, because William has been tripping over telling Monica that he quit the firm for episodes and episodes. Like he's just been avoiding it like the plague because of how she'll react. Cause he knows that she wants him for his success as a lawyer. So my question to you guys is, has anyone had a truth that was so scary to tell they came up with a lie to throw the recipient off as much as possible? I'll go first. One time as a teenager. So a lot happened as a teenager. One time as a teenager, um, yeah. I have, anyway, I had um, my, my boyfriend's now husband, uh, I won't implicate him. My boyfriend jumped through the window and was hanging out with me in the bedroom. We wasn't doing nothing. We was actually being innocent. Do your parents watch this podcast? They might listen to some, but I'll just not tell them to listen to this episode. They was there. They was there. The point is, (laughs) we was hanging out and and basically doing what what I just told y'all our intimacy thing is, watching shows. My parents' room is directly next door. And it was late at night. Oh. And while we were watching him, I think we dozed off a little bit, or he did. And at one point, I heard my mom. She has heavy footsteps. And I heard her get up to go pee. She said, oh, Woke him up like. And so, so he started looking for a place to hide. And then after she went to the bathroom, she was on her way to her bedroom. You could hear it. You know, you know your parents' footsteps. And she stopped at the door, right in between my door and her door. And for some reason, the spirit told her that dang spirit told her to to try my door. And there's no doors allowed to be locked in the house. And I locked my door. So she was like, she's like, Tamaya, open this door. Open this door. Why is this door locked? Like, she's going to wake up my daddy. I had told boyfriend, go hide somewhere. Go hide somewhere. So this Negro hid in the hamper behind the door. He a big man. So he really only got his thighs up in there. His whole extra body was poked out of the hamper. And so she 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 banged. And so I opened the door. And as I opened the door, he he was perfectly behind the door. So it worked out. So it was like, open the door. And she was like, why this door locked in here? What you doing? And I tell y'all, my heart had left. My heart went around the corner. <laughs> I was so scared. And so I said, the first thing I could think of to throw her off, I said, I was, I was masturbating. A lot you tell. When I tell you, that almost did it because she paused like, oh. she looked up me up and down like, <laughs> and I thought I had won. She stood back and she said, "No." She pushed me aside and searched the whole room. Remember, he behind the door. She ain't find him. Hallelujah. And as she was walking back out the door, giving me the side eye, she told me to move out the way. And I was like, oh, Jesus. 
And I moved out the way and she put that door closed and she could see him sitting there half and half or half out here. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, she called my name. <laughs> Where shoes is that, Maya? Where the shoes is that? <laughs> The way he flung his body out that window was impressive. He thought and he was daddy came out, ran outside. We only live on a one-way street. Either he jumped everybody's backyard or this dude ran so fast, barefoot, that he, he got out of sight. But his shoes were still under my bed. Ooh. So, yeah, that was my lie. Anybody else have a lie that was so... You had to just, just tell a Wait, quick, outrageous I, lie I to save to say, yourself. I just have to say the funny part was the day after we had to have a bathroom meeting. Oh, yeah. A we bathroom had to leave class. Leave. I went to go get Ariana. I said, it's important. <laughs> we got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> we left class to have this conversation. I showed up my welts from my book. Whooping. I tried Girl, you called me that night. Girl, I don't even know how I had the strength. Oh, I was hurt. I was hurt. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. So, anybody else got an outlandish lie? No, no, just me. Nobody else. Wow, Esther, you going to shake your head? No, trifling. I was, I was never good at two like, shoes. I mean, I did. I mean, shoes, you don't got to but... do with your parents. Oh, now everybody's I, My, my <laughs> face, I'm. Mm, I'm not a great liar, so I just own up to my shit. Like, mm. I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I did it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I did it." <laughs> well, did moving it. on then. That was me. Fine. Um, second to last thing that happened in this episode, um, Maya. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Joan, just Joan. So last thing, second to last thing happens is, well, the last thing that happens in this episode is Joan is insulted, talked down to, and tested by her new boss, Sharon. I got her name now, y'all, Sharon. The person who took the partnership that her and William were looking for. So in this episode, um, Sharon kind of, she does all the things to Joan. Like she talks about her outfit. She talks about, um being taken seriously how she's trying to help joan but at the same time it seems like she's trying to use joan she's insulted joan she invites her to a book club in which all her peers who are also boss ladies insult joan to an extent in joan's home my question to you guys is brilliant unwavering women like both monica and sharon because i feel like i can put them in the same realm at this point um they threw me off initially because they seemed unlikable but I am learning, I'm leaning towards liking them more and more for that exact reason. And I'm just being honest with y'all. I like, I kind of like that they're badasses who are like successful in their own right and who aren't necessarily likable. I kind of like the complicated <clears throat> versions of them. And as we can see at the end of the episode, Joan is kind of leaning towards that complication of it's not quite as simple as does she like me or doesn't she seems to be a lot more layered um so does the intimidating event that Joan experienced seem patronizing or encouraging to you guys like I felt like it was patronizing at first but by the end I felt like it was kind of an encouraging push that Sharon is giving Joan in this new work environment that she's in and um if you were in a similar situation, did you would you leave the abusive experience or would you take strength from it? Because Joan seems to be trying to take strength from it. So what are you Should guys' I thoughts? Again, if any, this is another plot point that is very particularly like tells its age or at least the era that it comes from. Mm -hmm. Because now we understand, at least so I would hope so that we understand that women especially when they get to a certain level within the corporate structure when they exhibit characteristics that are very male mm -hmm. they're seen they're they seen negatively right so 
with Sharon, she is assertive. She is very direct to the point. She doesn't really, at least at this moment, care for, um, you know, uh, a camaraderie with Joan. But it's, again, that's her boss. That's Joan's boss, right? Mm -hmm. And so... If it was a man, I think we this wouldn't we would not be put in that position as the audience to see her in a bad light or to want her to be nicer. That's an excellent her. point because she really, if you compare her to the first season episodes of Joan and um, William's boss, she acts the same way. The way he would make odd, inappropriate jokes or jabs or what have you, yeah. or he acts almost the exact same way. But now that we're seeing it in the lens of a black woman, initially I'm like put off by it, and I had to question yeah, it's myself. Seen as like threatening, non-friendly, all the negative stuff. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But it's, it's not. Um, so that's my cultural analysis of it. If we are to take what we're giving at face value, right, in the show, again. I think she was definitely sort of rude to call out Joan during the book club scene mm -hmm. because she knew the context of why Joan couldn't finish the book, mm -hmm. you know, and there is a way to be a great leader and pushing people to greatness without just outright, you know, pointing out their faults because nobody, nobody gets better by you constantly pointing out how much they're failing. Right. By constantly berating them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I see that that is her way and that is a very appropriate way for her to support Joan is to bring her into her own network so that she can, you know, have those alliances, know people that can definitely um, elevate her within that corporate um, hierarchy that she wants to achieve as a partner. So, yeah. Even with Monica, like, honestly, like, watching this as, like, a 30-year-old with, you know, at least, like, 10 years of, you know, career experience, I am, like, is Monica a little bit, like, Brash. acquired taste? <laughs> yes, she's definitely an acquired taste, but you know what? Like, she is doing what needs to be done. <laughs> yes. And she, tell and she tells you exactly who she is, like. She's, you know, like, you know what you're getting with her. And I think, again, this is uh, William, just as he did with uh, Yvonne, trying to mold this person into somebody that they're not. Mm hmm It's funny because she's doing that to, him to an extent. But I don't think so, because here it is. You think she sees his potential in pushing him it's forward. It's not even potential, right? What is it? For me, I see it as you come to her, right? And she tells you, I I see the potential in you, but also I only, you know, date or want to be with somebody who is at that level of success. Mm, his position. And will and William is like, yes, that is exactly where I want to be. And she's like, you know what? I see that potential in you. I'm going to help you get there. And she definitely knows how to play the game because she knew to, you know, have him be uh, the Santa Claus. She knew that, like, you know, ha having him host the Christmas party was going to be, you know, important. She mm -hmm. knew that him hosting or going to that other dude's you know house was going to be critical she knew all those things and he like barked and like you know ref kind of gave her a lot of um pushback pushback on all of them and she's been proving right again and again and again and she still stands with him because she's like i see the potential in you and i think again as the show shows its age is that we are made to see women as again right nurturers carers like just holding you and making themselves soft and agreeable for you and just being like oh no like let me 
let, let me just like say this thing super nicely to you multiple times so you can like understand. And, but that's not Monica. She's like, you need to do this. You need to do that. This is how you go about it. What you're doing is wrong. You know? Yeah. I'm starting to like these girls more and more. <laughs> I tell you. I don't like watching like, you got something there, you know? It's interesting. Yeah. And you can, you can take pieces of an individual, right? You can take yeah. pieces that those strengths and things that you want for yourself, because that's what I think Joan found out at the end of that uh, book club meeting. She's like, you know what? Like she has something that clearly I don't have mm. and it's stopping me from like advancing in my career or, or mm. whatever the case is and so she's now starting to absorb that so I think you can take pieces you don't have to like the individual but you can identify that they are someone that has something that you want so you take those pieces and apply it to your own life that's brilliant. The way you just said that, I actually thought about it. It's funny the way this show has decided to do this, and I think they've done it intentionally, but how the two arguably most successful in their career field individuals in the show, William and Joan, as these lawyers who from season one have been trying to reach partner, they've given them both partners or mates in that regard to help them along the way. Like they've thrown Monica in with William and Sharon in with Joan. And it's going to be quite interesting to see who gets their partner to the finish line first, kind of in a way, because mm -hmm. they both are trying to develop these people that we have grown to love in this show. And it's really interesting. It made me think of like, when do you know when you're in an abusive experience and you need to get out versus an experience, maybe you need to tolerate that abuse a bit longer to get what you need out of it. You know what I mean? Because we're right now in a, I feel like our generation in the world, especially with the great resignation, where everyone is like, you know, a hint of abuse or, you know what I mean? And it's not saying that they're wrong. They're like, I'm out. I ain't dealing with this ish. But like, what, is there ever anything to gain from that level? And I mean, just the abuse that we're seeing like in this show, not necessarily sexual or physical abuse, but like the abuse of a work environment that like Joan was experiencing. Cause I've worked for a woman who was quite a yeah. bit right under a CEO before. And I had to get out of there. But the first months I was just pushing, pushing, pushing. Cause I knew she had this level of success that I didn't find anything else. I, I guess to get from that. So I had to get out of there. Cause it was just toxic. I feel like if it's making you better because like some people- In any way. Yeah. yeah like some people- they want you to succeed, mm -hmm. but they're necessarily teachers. Mm. So th their way of pushing you comes off to be harsh and rude. But like, you got to kind of try and get the message without trying to, without the messenger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if, if it's helping you, that could be the deciding factor. Because, yeah. like, yeah, I had a Helping more than harming is that, if that is. Yeah, I had a supervisor that was in a hole. But, like, everything that she told me to do was helping me and making me better. So I kind of had to be like, that's just her personality. Mm. And so that helped you deal with that. No, I get that. If it's helping more than harming anyway. And also with some Black... Well, when you're black, I, I, in my experience, if you see another black person, you, we were always told to work twice as hard or three, four times as hard mm -hmm. to get you half know, as much. Yeah. You feel like you might have to push them more than you would someone of another race because you're like, I'm on your side. We got to work as hard. We got to work harder. And, th and that could also come off as being a dickwad. But like, you mean well, but you don't know. That's a great point. Well. Because if we remember earlier episodes where Joan actually felt like she was being um, belittled because she was the woman in the room and made a huge deal out of it in that meeting and ended up attacking William for her insecurities in that regard, Sharon is teaching her how to literally 
deal with, live with, and adjust to these kind of environments with these these white men. So that's a really, really good point. That's also the point of all black, most black parents, right? They treat yeah, like, their kids gotta, harshly in a way to prepare them for the world that will treat them harshly and, and in turn. So yeah. that's an excellent point. All right, y'all. That's all I got because that's the end of that episode. So we made it through episode 15 and 16. Thank you very much for listening to the We Need to Talk Club podcast. Remember to follow us, review us, support us on all your podcast listening platforms. Remember to go to our website, we need to talk.club, so you can see all the different podcasts that we do and host on this here channel. You do not have to leave this channel to get access to all the different podcasts we do. We kept it simple. Just go to We Need to Talk Club, and there we are. Um, remember to always be heard. We love you. We thank you. Happy holidays. And until we need to talk again, bye. Bye-bye.